0: And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 208. I am your host, Blaine Pudvang. And I'm joined now by my special guest, Scott McCarthy. Welcome to the show, Scott.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again. It's I know to be back.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is pretty awesome. So for those who don't know, Scott McCarthy, aka Lead Don't Boss, host of his own podcast, Moving Forward Leadership, has kindly stepped in to help me host one of these episodes. So, I, I can't thank you enough because you know my co-host just cut bait and ran.
1: So you know, um, this is just the army picking up the slack of the air force navy yet again. That's right. <laughs> Being an ex-soldier myself, I, I
0: appreciate that. Oh, just want to point out, you know, air force navy, you guys, uh, you guys let me down. I'm disappointed. All right. Disappointed. Uh, All right. So give uh, before we get going on uh, the day's issues, and there is a lot, why don't you give my listeners a little bit of a a breakdown of your podcast and what you cover?
1: Yeah. So I'm a leadership-focused podcast. Uh, It's actually now, actually, Blaine, I changed the name a while ago. It's called Peak Performance Leadership, but my website is Moving Forward Leadership. So it's just a little shift in that, but still, if you put in Moving Forward Leadership, uh, you'll still find it. Uh, so I cover lead, you know, organizational theory, leadership uh, from an organizational standpoint uh, across what I call my three domains, uh, first being leading yourself, i.e. how you can be the best leader possible, second one being leading your team, how you interact with the people within your organization, and finally, the third domain of leading an organization, that institution bit, um, and have guests from across the world and a lot of you know top-selling authors and uh, prominent public figures in the space coming on the show so do it by do it much like yourself uh on the side uh, still serving the canadian army so hence the little dig there uh but yeah it, it's it's a good time
0: yeah well you know um we're all just lowly ncms and ncos you know, oh we here we go <laughs> we don't we don't hold that we don't have that commissioning scroll that we can put up on the wall and look at reverently and say look the queen signed this
1: so okay, fine. We'll go down that route. Um uh, before because you're a P1. Is Treg a P1? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. So you're a P1. So back in the day, you guys would get a um you guys would get a warranting scroll. Yep. Which is which is almost identical to the commissioning scroll, except it doesn't mention that you're commissioned.
0: No, we uh, just earned it.
1: Yeah, you in you it by you know, <laughs> I just go to school and get get mine. Uh now they only do it for the chiefs out there. Yep. Good old budget cuts. Right. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it used to be given right to the warrant. So. That's
0: why they called it warrant officer. Yeah. Cause you're
1: warranting it, warranting them.
0: But I'm, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just too petty for that being a petty officer.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, need, <laughs> you need to insert a sound effect there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people groaning at home will be the, the sound effect for that one. Um, All right. So you're going to bring a little bit of more of unique perspective on some of the, uh, the topics we're going to cover because of the leadership background. We'll pick your brains on that, but let's, let's just start off. We're talking about the Canadians last couple of games and, um, and just how terribly inconsistent they are. So they lose six, three, they win six, three, they give up a ton of goals. They score a ton of goals. What the hell have you seen that you could even pick out of and say,
1: that's good. That's bad. Uh, everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's mind blowing because they roll in a Buffalo. Yeah. Right. It was Buffalo. Yeah. Two nights ago, they rolled in the Buffalo and it was atrocious. I mean, it looked like, it almost looked like someone had, they they had just, you know, partied it the whole way to Buffalo, no sleep, and then decided, hey, let's go play a professional level game of hockey. And then they show up in Pittsburgh against a Penns team who's not doing, you know, fantastic per se, but it's not horrible. And and just played, uh, you know. I didn't watch the game. I got I got a little bit of it, and I checked the highlights. But, like, for the most part, you know, a 6-3 win with a lot of solid plays and a lot of solid time. Now, I do understand they spent a lot of time in their own end, and Jake Allen stood on his head for quite a bit. But still, overall, it seemed like the whole team was clicking from what I could see. So, it's the, you mentioned before, it's this Jekyll and Hyde season where you just don't know who you're going to get. And it almost feels like... Some games they're just like, okay, let's let's go in and let's try to fix everything. We need we need to fix everything. And that's the games where they just completely fall apart. And then there's other games like last night where they go, okay, let, let's play our game, plus uh let's do a little, let's you know, try to tighten things up defensively, which in turn, okay, they try to tighten up defensively, they spend a bit more time in their end, but in the end, they still get the win. So it's just like Come on, guys, pick something here. <laughs> like, come on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like they uh, they gave up fifty shots. Yeah. Jake Allen made the most saves for career, Montreal Canadiens goalie in Pittsburgh in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. So, Crazy. we know wh- that we know a major reason why they won. I mean, they gave up a ton of high danger chances, and they were, a lot of them were against guys like Sidney Crosby, which you really don't want to be doing. Right, it, it was so yeah, and Crosby's yeah. uh filling the net on the Canadians, but on nobody else's here. <laughs> he scored in every game against Montreal, but no goals against anybody else.
1: That's nuts for Crosby. Uh, right? that, it would be inter- interesting to, see, to hear from a Pittsburgh fan, you know, a Pittsburgh unfiltered podcast point of view. <laughs> <laughs> <Unfiltered>. <laughs> we're gonna start,
0: we're gonna start a, a, our own little th- thread of uh podcasts. But um, no, it's the game against Buffalo. I found they were listless. They had no legs. They didn't even, it looked like they were flat.
1: No drive. So this, I was watching a game and I was like, watch it. And you know what came to my mind? Do you know? And this is probably an area where you want to go with the show. I was like, we're missing someone like Radul off right now. And that, fire that Rajiloff brought when when uh when they would score or a big play would happen. You remember Rajil and like how fired up he always was there's no one doing that for them. And that is you know that's a bit about why I'm here is like that's a bit of leadership there is like par- firing up the guys, firing up the team, getting them going. And there's no one there that really has that spark that that you know motivational drive. There's everyone who's doing their own different things. Some of the main guys, you know, Gallagher is there being Gallagher, just getting pummeled in the net and trying to go shift after shift. But isn't he no one... supposed
0: to play that role for the Canadians? Like he's supposed to be that fire guy that uh, light the, the bench and get going. He,
1: well, he is, but he, it was always Gallagher's. always been different than, than, than Radu, Right. And what I found from Gallagher is he, he's a bit like that. He is kind of like, middle ground where he's like he goes out on ice and he totally leads by example like i i i cannot find a way to um what's the word for like not this credit but you know same thing negative but gallagher yet yeah. he, he's still just going and hammering there and he's still driving from the net and he's still like come on boys let's go but ride you brought something completely different like that next level per se of just like Pure emotion and energy coming out of him. Now, does Galley have it? Absolutely, but I think Gallagher's usually just too exhausted, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking the cross checks to the face too much. He can't talk. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's still picking out splinters out of his mouth. So th- that was I was watching the Buffalo game, and I was like, that's kind of realization I had is like they're they're kind of missing a little bit of that spark right now in that type of player. Because they got a lot of the pieces to just have it really set perfectly, right? Yep. Josh Anderson, Toffoli, T- Suzuki. We can keep going. You know, Dvorak seems to be slowly starting to settle into the system and playing with the team. Uh, Paling, like, can't say anything bad, about Paling, since he's come up, from what I've seen, fantastic, right? Uh, Jake Allen has been Jake Allen since he showed up. So uh, I guess the biggest name we could throw around, which has been bad around enough is Petrie and he needs to sort out whatever's going on there. I don't know. He looks like he's, he, he's playing hurt at times. And then other times it looks like he just leaves
0: his brain turned off or at home.
1: Right. Like the yeah. game against
0: Buffalo, he had that, he had this one big rush where he, he basically deked out half the team, but then he does a, a loop around the back of the Buffalo net comes to a stop at the top of the circle. And instead of just shooting at the net or making a pass, he just held on to it and kind of just disconnected the, the, the controller and mm-hmm. gave up the puck.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a I, nightly thing with him. I find that with a few guys, I find that with a few guys where their, their decisions, their decisions aren't the best, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm no professional level hockey player, but when we're sitting here we're watching it from our TV, we can see like clear lanes or not clear lanes. And obviously it's a different view on the ice because i played too and realized like, oh wow, it looks bigger or it's not. <laughs> it definitely looks a lot smaller. But I feel like sometimes like guys need to, some guys need to pass a little bit more and other guys need to shoot a little bit more. And the Buffalo game is like Jonathan Durant came in and he had the pocket and a nice lane to shoot, but he went for the pass, which ended up, I believe, getting either picked, intercepted or like tipped. And it went back and ended up being a goal in the end. And uh, people were, like, blaming other players. I think Petrie got blamed a bit for that goal. I'm like, no, it actually goes back to Jonathan Drain. He should have just shot the puck by trying to make the pass. Because I know he's a, pe- a, play- a playmaker. But, man, I was like, shoot the puck. You-, you need to shoot the puck a little bit more. So there's these little things that are I think are kind of dragging people down. And that goes. it goes to we need someone that says, all right, you know, play your game right? You need to stay and play your game, but same time, like take chances, take the chance and and just let it go. Like more pucks on that is not necessarily going to be a bad thing here.
0: Now back to Gallagher, Uh, Gila Fleur came out in uh, the last day or so and mentioned how the Canadians need to shit or get off the pot, name him the captain, you know, because with Weber out and, let's be honest, he's likely done for his career. He's already doing scouting roles for the Canadians. So with him out, the captaincy now, it's, it's in limbo. And the Canadians have had interim captains in the past. I mean, you look at Kovalev when he was an interim captain with Koivu out injured, but now they're, they're not even doing that. So how much of an impact would it be to actually take the C from, from Weber and give it to Gallagher, in your opinion?
1: So this is probably the only time in my life I'll, I'll criticize Shea Weber and I hope to God he doesn't hunt me down for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when, sh- when things came to realization how bad she- it is for Shay, he should have walked into Bergevin slash Dom Desheram's office and dropped the C on their desk and say, you got to hand this off. If I'm going to be out for a year, you need to hand this off. Someone needs to be in that room wearing this. And that should have been on, you know, Shea should have did it. Now, did he do it? And they said, no, I, you know, who knows, right? We, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. So I'm just going off of the information now, right? So to me, that's what should have happened. Weber should have freely given it up. And yeah, Gallagher's the next guy in line. We all know that. And in fact, we talked about that the last time I was on the show. So what is the impact, the effect it's having? It, it, it leaves that void of like, okay, who, who do we look to? Right? Like, it's like when the boss is away and they don't say, okay, this person's in charge. Like, Who's in charge? And everyone's like looking around. And when you're in a situation like this right now, uh, people are going to deflect. They're going like, oh, it's not me. <laughs> I'm not the one in charge, but things are going, going bad because they don't want that negative association, right? Whereas if we actually had appointed a captain like Gallagher, he could have more of that um step up like the, it, it's clear for him now to step up because unfortunately right now they're still lingering of you know what there's shea weber is still the team captain now the, in the in the room the guys need to sort that out and get past it but it makes it a hell lot easier when the team management comes down and say "Shea's out gallagher you're in it's 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 your it's your room to take and run with with the boys Right, and that, that that limits that whole questionability and awkwardness. It just means Gallagher gets in and starts running with that with that role. So that's how I feel, uh, or how I feel like this should have went down from day one. Once they realized uh, Weber was out, he should have just walked in and dropped it.
0: Yeah, especially with the importance of <clears throat> part of being a leader is taking the responsibility for the outcomes that happen. So 100%. on the ice, there's poor outcomes, especially this season with the Canadians. And then you have guys like Brendan Gallagher, who a few days ago, right after the Capitals game, came out and addressed the media and said, if I had an explanation for what's going on, we would have fixed it. We got the result we deserve. So he's he's the one up in front of the media, taking the heat and then being honest. He is being honest and open about what's going on and deflecting that that criticism from the, other t- from the rest of his team directed towards him. So that's, to me, that's the kind of leadership that they've, they have they kind of need at the moment. And giving him the captaincy would just make sense.
1: Yeah, it just solidifies it, right? So often uh, I talk about leadership isn't about a position, it is more about what you do. So Gallagher is definitely showing it, but I feel like uh, to, make it, to make it solid, you just need to make that one step. You know, take them the A, give them the C, and then it just takes away all the questionability because not everyone is going to necessarily look at Gallagher and go, "Oh, you're the team captain, you're or you're a leader," and that could be internal to the bench, it could be external to the bench. You know, some of the news media could be like, "Well, who are you really to go ahead and say this? Uh, you know, act in this way? You're not the team captain, or whatever." Now, I don't, I don't expect that, but you know, the potential is always there. That's why it's important to me. I believe that they should go ahead. Give them to see whether or not it's interim and I would even go so far to suggest at the beginning of the season if, if Weber had said, hey give this to someone I aka galley Galley gets it and Weber comes back at the end of the season he still rolls without it yeah right he still yeah. rolls without it because Gallagher has been wearing it the whole season but now it's like is is Weber actually going to come back is he not going to come back everyone says he's not going to come back but there's that question so the question the questions are still out there, and then it's the silent leader of Kerry Price, and where where's Kerry been? You know, I I don't I haven't seen him in the press box, and I know you know I'll preface everything with saying well done to Kerry for what he did before, but now if you're back with the team, are you actually back with the team, or do you still need a yeah. little bit more time? If you need a little bit more time, cool. But let's say you need a little bit more time and take that time away. But if you're back with the team, you know, I haven't seen you in the press box yet, which means you're not in the dressing room with the guys. Maybe he is, and he's just not being shown. Who knows? I don't know. But I feel like Kerry should be taking a little bit more of an active role now that he's back, and he's taking time to get back in game shape, which is good on him to be there to help, you know, get these guys through this because he's been there too. Well, that kind of points to, <clears throat> excuse me, it points to
0: in a, in a team, in the room as a unit, um, there's more than just one person. Leadership is not just one guy saying, hey, let's do this. Leadership is, it's shared amongst a group of people that some people are, are strong in certain areas of leadership, Like Gallagher is a definite watch what I do and try and emulate me. I'm going to lead you by example. Uh, People like Kerry Price are those silent leaders who, when they speak up and say something Mm -hmm. in a moment of crisis or people stop and listen because his words carry weight and people look to him as a veteran. These, These, this meshing of leadership styles, do you feel that they've been missing that this year? And could that be part of the reason why they've sucked so bad?
1: Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right. They're, they're missing. Uh, they're definitely missing carries quiet leadership. No doubt. You know, we've, we've been here before. Remember we've gotten through it, you know, uh, ghost school girls. I will stop as many pucks as I can humanly possibly stop. <laughs> right. Uh, they're missing. Like I mentioned earlier, that, that fiery type, they got the lead by example still there. And, and then ultimately it's the, it's the big question mark around who, you know, whose team is it? And without Weber around, that is just a huge looming question mark that I, I feel like it, um it just, it just adds to the complexity of an already pretty complex situation going on there in Montreal with, you know, Weber, uh, um, Weber out, carry out, keep going with the laundry list of of different um, injuries and stuff like this and issues going on. The questions about Mark Bergevin and whether or not he's going to stick around. You know, players could be like, you know, some players could be thinking like, okay, um, you know, am I going to be in the vision of the future for, for this team? Because there could be a new GM coming in. And what we need is someone to step in and go like, that is not your problem right now. You need to focus on today, tonight, with the game right in front of you and prove to whoever's going to end up replacing MB that you deserve to stay here, that you need to be part of the team, right? Well, that, that to me, feel, I feel like is not happening right now. So there's this, this jointness that's going on, fragmentation, right? You see some players gelling, other players not. Some players doing their roles, other players not. And it, it's a huge just. Dis- Mm, schmozzle a mess on days like when they play Buffalo. And then when you look at games like last night against Pittsburgh, like, where have you been? I've been waiting for you all season. You guys should come around a little bit more often. I like you.
0: Now, this uh, this dynamic, you brought up a a good point about the dynamic in the room possibly being um, a portion of it, that uncertainty. There's the uncertainty around management. When you don't know who your boss is going to be from one day to the next, the motivation to, you know, go above sometimes just right. isn't there. I mean, it's just human nature. I know, I know professional athletes, they're proud they got to this point because of not just their talent, but their insatiable appetite to work and be the best, but they're still human and they still could look at that and say, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to go when it's going to happen. I'm not sure. So maybe I won't go with that little extra or it's, it's subconscious. Now, 100%. the team itself is going through, as we speak, it's Sunday morning. It's the 28th of November last night. Uh, Scott Mellonby quit the team as the assistant general manager. Bergevin is, uh, is in quarantine still for COVID, but Jeff Gorton the former New York Rangers GM is uh, the Canadians have permission to talk to him. And the talk is that he is being interviewed more than likely for the president's role, which would put him above Bergervin as kind of a taking over for Molson on the hockey op side. This, this here, now P, the players are going to see this happening and they're saying, well, now people are losing their jobs because we haven't stepped up. How much of an impact do you think that would be? mentally for them and leadership wise in the room?
1: I, I think ultimately um, the players would need to understand why Scott Millenby left. Right. And, and we talked before you hit record that most likely he didn't get either job he wanted. So he's like, I'm, I'm leaving on my terms. Okay. So if the players were explaining that, I don't think it would be uh, such an impact, but if they weren't explaining it or, you know, he's like, Scott only like, nope, this team sucks. I'm done with you guys. I hate you all, you know, like burned a house down as I a, as a walk out type thing uh, because he just got fired per se. Uh, then it would definitely have more of an impact, right? Because the last thing you want is to have that such a drastic impact on someone else's life because you're not performing. But it happens. It happens in all kinds of different areas of the world. And professional sports, like you're talking about the elite of the elite of the elite here playing stakes are high big money on the line people's careers etc there's not a whole lot of margin for error so you know it definitely boils down to um, having an impact in the back of the minds of the players and then as well as like okay so who's next because you already hear you know that that's occurring but at the player level you're even hearing the trade rumors starting to pop up and who has trade value and it's just like okay i'm gonna play my hardest just to get you know trade traded for a first round pick what like you know so from a player standpoint that the that wouldn't necessarily feel the best but you know from management standpoint it's kind of how you play the the game of the game per se right so uh, a lot of players like it could be, it could be burning in the back and minds of how their play is affecting others. and Being traded, you know, it could affect how their uh, the impacts on their families. Suddenly, okay, I gotta pick up. I have to pick up, and move. I gotta go to this new city, and it's likely going to be for you know, four, five months, and then it's contract time, and I don't know who's going to extend me or who's going to offer me contracts, and a lot of time away from from their families and you know where are we going to live next and all these other questions so those things have effects on players has effects on everyone and we feel in military when posting season comes around you see that that drop in people's performance because of the uncertainty and they have all these other things weighing in the back of their mind so professional hockey players would be no different so yeah it, it's definitely gonna be a bit of an impact um We'll see as as time goes on. It'll be interesting to see what happens out of this interview with uh, Jeff Gorton, was it again? I forget yeah. the name off. Yeah. yeah. You know, see if, if he actually gets picked up, become like, you know, vice president of hockey ops. Does that now mean the GM um, process is going to be like a long drawn out one, which would even be worse, I would think right uh, on the players i'm because, not i'm not sure yeah. if it would be long and drawn out
0: but having a president of hockey ops who's a hockey mind someone who's experienced like jeff Gordon, has a lot of experience with boston and the rangers he's done right. some great work with both teams having someone like him instead of jeff molson kind of overseeing things on a day-to-day basis i think would be a lot
1: better i i, I don't disagree with that i i fully agree 100. percent like jeff molson He's a, one's and numbers guy with a dollar symbol in front of it, right? That's why yeah. he, he needs to work about the business side. How much money am I going to make this year out of this investment? Because from his perspective, the Montreal Canadians is just another investment. It's no different than, you know, our, our little RESPs yeah. or TFSAs, right? I mean,
0: it is a family thing for them as well, right? It's a
1: tradition for him,
0: but it, at the end of the day, it's,
1: he's feeding his family on this. So yep. yeah, 100%. So he needs to, you know, keep in that mindset. Uh, and then you have someone who you know knows the game and can make those decisions from that strategic level of okay, you know it's time for us to get rid of the GM or it's time for the GM to make some moves here or something and, and have those conversations with with the uh, with the general manager, you know that next kind of layer above right? because Molson obviously doesn't have not, I wouldn't say that experience per se but that mindset. So I wonder it, it'll be interesting to see how the GM thing plays out if if he does get that job of hockey uh, vice president of hockey operations and and see how that goes down down the line. Uh, but at the end of the day, it trickles. All this trickles down because the GM sets the vision for the team. Yeah right it's the overall direction the vision right so you know do we do we stick with you know this mobility type team that we need or do we go you know do do they bring in a gm who wants to go more of a boston style again of crunching and grinding and suddenly a lot of players go on go on the trade block depending on which style you want the gm wants to to, uh, build around so we'll have to wait and see it, there could be a lot of changes coming and, and I'm not talking yeah. just not talking just in the management level. I, we know a lot of the assistant GMs are going to go. I question if Dom DeScian will last after uh, after uh, his contract's either up or, or he goes into his final year. Right. And then on top of that, that means the assistant coaches, you know, they, there's a lot of questions there. So all these questions, right. It just piles on top of people and so much uncertainty around there. Uh, End of the day, um, if Mark Bergman didn't sign the contract back, you know, which he didn't, he didn't sign the contract back this summer. This goes back to a leadership thing. Jeff, Jeff Molson should have just jumped on saying, okay, you know, as you said, uh, Tom, you know, don't leave a lame duck GM. Well, you can't leave a lame duck leader. Right. And this is the problem that they're having. So we're seeing a lot of these trickle effects from a leadership standpoint. Jeff should have made that call. Like, okay, cool. You don't want this contract. Do you want to be part of the team? Yes. No. Okay. No, we need to make the call now and keep you in place until I find someone else because Bergeron has shown and has said he's with the team to the end of this contract. So I don't feel like there was a dire need to fire him per se. It wasn't doing anything that's, you know, can make the team any worse, but at the same time, uh, I feel like they should have went on. If he's not going to be part of the future, then it's time to start making the future to present.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I found that um, Molson's how do I say this? His, uh, hmm, his fealty to, to Bergevin, the, the friendship kind of overrode his business side. So letting him stay as a lame duck. Yeah, that's great. If you don't have a, if you have a plan for the future, awesome. But there didn't seem to be one. He was just kind of relying on Bergevin. He's even said in the, in the last couple of years, how He's never needed to hire a president of hockey ops because Bergevin, so uh, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He trusts him. So just the fact that two years ago he said this, and now it's looking like he's trying to find a president. Either he's lost trust in Bergevin, which I doubt. It doesn't seem to be that kind of a guy. Or he sees that the team needs a new vision and which means the entire management side is being overhauled and with Gorton with Gorton coming, if he comes, he's a, he's a a hockey mind that was moving towards that more mobile defensive style with a transition game. He did it with Boston Uh, back in 2006, he was starting to add those types of players and he has definitely done it in New York. He's the guy that brought in Adam Fox and, Makina is So more than likely, if he is the president, he's going to be looking for someone that fits that same vision as him so that they can work together. So it, that is what my hope is at the very least, that if they do hire him, that's the, that's the new direction. And I think that would have a trickle down to the players. They would seem to be, as 100%. you said before, like, am I keeping my job? Am I staying? Am I going? Uh, are we going with the youth? Uh, are, are we doing a full rebuild? Like, what's go- the uh, the uncertainty of it all kind of lays into this?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I would suggest that if they go with that style, I think the rebuild would actually be quicker than what we anticipate because there's a lot of the youth that are that style right now. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Tyler Foley's not that old. He's step. he plays that type of game, right? Yeah, Rami. Uh Alexander Romanoff, he he's that type of player. So I don't think it would actually be that difficult. Bring in a few more new pieces. Uh, we'll see what happens with Lekanin. Um, and, and ultimately, like it, it's time to, I think this year we're missing an opportunity. Uh for, and maybe with a director of hockey ops, it would help help that because Bergman in his you know final days of general manager, he doesn't want he doesn't really want to rock the boat per se because it's not going to be his boat soon. And, and it's the same thing when in the military context of when we're in command and we see the end, end of the light for our commands, like, ah, decision's coming up that's past when I'm going to be in charge. I don't want to make those calls right now because they're not my, they're not going to be mine to make. So we have that president of hockey ops. They can make those those calls now for the future. And he would be saying, okay, season's toast. Let, let, let's get the youth experience. Let's keep paling in let's wave beau for God's sakes and keep Primo up while price is still out. So then him and Alan can split 50, 50, but you know, let, let's bring let's keep Norlander here. Let's bring Caulfield and play him how we need to play him. Let's keep Suzuki up there in that top line, et cetera. And keep running these young guys already going to make mistakes hundred percent, but guess what? Season's toast. But what we can do, we can take, we can make wine out of grapes and uh, get some solid experience for these up and comers. Well, just looking,
0: at, uh, just looking at the last couple of games, Romanov in the last uh, three games has been over 20 minutes a game. And we see, him blo- uh, we see him blossoming a little bit. But yeah. at, the, at, the, at the other end of that spectrum, you have players who have not played last year. They were just just new additions to the season or call-ups or didn't play very much last year. Guys like Caulfield, um, Paling, Norlander, they're getting very little ice time in these last half dozen games. That to me kind of points to the coach is still trying to rely on his veterans a little too much. And that's where management would be able to step in and say, look,
1: just play the kids. You know, ultimately the management and the coach, and again, this goes back to having the lame duck. um, They need to sit there and go, okay, what, what what's the actual goal of the season now? yes they showed up the they showed up the beginning of the season and the goal was to win, make the playoffs and Bergeron says that all the time we just need to get in the playoffs and last year was like prime example right of of that uh, and that ideology but really like you've done the math like is making the playoffs a you know realistic goal for this season now no Hell don't no.
0: need uh, what 45 wins in the next
1: 53 right? Like, like, no, it, it, it makes, it makes the 2019 Boston blues Cinderella season look like nothing, like a general occurrence. (laughs) Like it's not even close to being realistic to occur. So, okay. Situation has changed. All right. What's our new goal then? New goals. Let's, let's, let's develop the young guys. Perfect. I can do that. Do we care if we win? No, actually we, we, we shouldn't overly care to win. Do we like to win? Yes. Would we like to win? Absolutely. But the goal is actually development of the young kids for them to get experience out there. And and if everyone gets on that same sheet of page and understanding that, you know, we had a false start. There were so many reasons for that, you know, from injuries to, uh, Bad puck luck, team not necessarily, team being tired after the long playoff run, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't gel well at the beginning of the season. Okay, we're going to own this, guys. This is not on you this season. But this is the this is the the goal here for the rest of the year. The, the goal is we're going to get some of these young guys uh, experienced. I want you old guys to teach them, you know, share your experience with them, where they make mistakes, what they need to fix, et cetera. And this is how we're going to bond as a team. We fully understand the season. You guys are gonna, you're gonna finish up in April once season's done, and then next next fall we're gonna be back and we're gonna go after it again. Everyone on board? Yeah, Okay. And at least then you got something you can go after. But right now I feel like the players are still, you know, the players are trying to play to keep their job. Dom Ducharme is trying to coach still to win. The GM is there going, well, I'm here, but I'm not here. And then President, you know, the the owner Molson is like crap (laughs) (laughs) so everyone's disconnected, and disjointed right there's no that streamlined common vision that need that needs to everyone needs to go after whereas everyone's kind of splintering you see that even in the players games the game against buffalo everyone was like trying to play their own thing do their own thing which wasn't working but then once everyone gets that common line vision like we saw last night against pittsburgh like holy cow things work like so if you did go ahead, you just said, okay, we're going to go after experience for the young guys. you are still going to have those Pittsburgh games. They're still going to be winning Pittsburgh games. In fact, it would probably be a little bit more frequently than what they are now with everyone disjointed. So that's, that's just how I see it. Um, so my final question on this
0: uh, for the show is um, the Canadians management roles uh you see this going on how much of an impact would it be for leadership to management to come out publicly and tell the fan base all of that be open frank and honest how much would that help in the room because we know the fan base would love it
1: no uh so one i think it's it would be them owning their their crap right and Molson coming out and saying yes, the season is a loss. It's him owning owning the garbage. It would it would it would relieve the fan base, I believe, because now at least then management is owned up to what's going on. And two, in the room, it would take a lot of pressure off. No longer are the guys being pressured to perform and win per se, but they're being it's so from an organizational theory standpoint it's called uh, psychological safety so they have uh, what's referred to as uh, sorry my brain fart right now uh, basically the safety to make mistakes so you go out you make a mistake you're not going to get chastised for making a mistake but rather turn it into a learning opportunity for the players and that enables players to actually relax a lot more enables any everybody to relax a lot more go out try their hardest come back make mistakes but learn from their mistakes so they turn around and take those lessons and apply them going forward whether that's the next shift the next period next game whatever right so that is what that's the type of situation it would occur and I think short term it would be atrocious you like right now right now it would be just atrocious as in a results based thing but long term next season, it would actually be extremely beneficial because all of a you got all of this experience, you know, all these games piled under the belts of these young kids that it would be getting more than the teams where, which are performing right now, where their younger players don't have the opportunity because the veterans are still there and the coaching staff is, is relying on the veterans to get things done. So our guys are making leaps and bounds. So about two, three seasons, you know, these young guys are actually playing more like, more seasoned veterans, right? They're they're bridging, They're closing that gap a lot quicker. So Olson coming out saying, "Yes, we fully understand the season's loss. This is what we're doing. This is the intent. This is the vision. This is where we'll be, and this is our plan for next year." Would you know, from a um, fan standpoint, from a player standpoint, it would be fantastic. The problem is, what's that going to do on his business side? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And it, that's the dichotomy that Molson has to, to make that because then all suddenly, like players or people are going to be like, well, we know the team's going to lose, going to suck. Why do I want to go buy tickets and go watch them, you know, probably lose and suck and all this stuff? So well, that's where
0: marketing kicks in, right? The marketing man. team has to step up and say, watch these young guys play, watch the watch the yeah, future. Yeah, now. All the,
1: yeah, yeah, right. So that's the economy that he would be stuck yeah. in, which I, I could I can understand and feel for him. Cause like we said earlier, you know, he's putting food on the table for his family. Although I'm sure there's no, no shortage of food on his table per <laughs> se. And even if they do have a, a crappy year business-wise, he would be fine, but still that is that's going to be a, a huge driver, motivator for him. Yeah. But it would yeah. be probably the good thing to do, I would think.
0: There's a lot to be said about a bad year on a season that the, owners, uh, the ownership has dropped about $100 million in players' salary. Right. That, that that's, that's painful. It's painful. I get the business side of it. And I know there's a lot of talk of possibly fans not wanting to see a rebuild in Montreal because Montreal is this unique market but at the end of the day, I think you can sell enough fans on a bad year and spin it the right way that you don't really lose money. You'll make, you'll make money, but not as much as you would have made in a good season.
1: Right. I, I think you can
0: pull that off. Now. Yeah. I, I think we've pretty much covered all the topics for today's
1: episode. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh Final thoughts, you know, I, I I guess my final thought is, uh, I think once we start seeing forward movement, which it, it could be sooner than later, who knows, right? We may see an, an announcement this week, whether we get a, a president of hockey option or we get uh, Bergevin being, you know, finally released. I think we're soon going to see some uh, forward progress in those rounds, which are, which are going to trickle down. Now, what we all need to realize is these things don't change overnight. When when changes are made at that high level, things don't change overnight. It's not like, oh, suddenly we just brought in like McDavid for a bag of pucks and Edmonton retained 9.9% of his salary, right? Like <laughs> these things take uh, take time for these changes to occur. And uh, the fans that are listening to this, and uh, we've been through it before, but it's going to take a couple of years. Like Montreal may be able to contend next year for playoffs. If if people are healthy or they make the right deals, make the right trades or signings upcoming, you know, we do magically pull number one in the draft and get Shane, right. And he's ready to play in the big league or whatever, Uh, but it's going to take a few years. Like look at the rebuild Edmonton had to go through. It took forever. Still going. (laughs) Still going right, although now you know there's there's. I think if Edmonton solidified their goaltending, they would be a lot more serious contender, and that's really the hole that they got to fill. So, you got with McDavid, Drysaddle, Nurse, Nugent-Hopkins, all these all these players. It took years upon years of first round picks for them to get to where they're at. Uh, you know, and, and playing in, in, in the dumps. I remember being in Edmonton when Taylor Hall was drafted number one by them. Yeah. And ironically now he's playing for Boston where Tyler Sagan got drafted. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it just takes, it's going to take a lot of time. These changes are not going to be quick, uh, but I think we're going to start seeing some uh, positive forward progression soon.
0: Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and helping me out. Um, You know, with Matt and uh Treg, you know, bailing on me so they can <laughs> work. I mean, come on now. The, you know, work, the Air Force, the Navy, how much work do they really do? Uh, I wonder at times. Being in the Navy myself, I, I know I, I, I know. I know <laughs> the answer. So uh I want to thank you again for coming on and hey Norris, no my pleasure for uh for my listeners. Be sure to check out Scott's work over at Lead Don't Boss on Twitter. Check out his websites. Uh, give give the uh, give the listeners where they can find you.
1: Yeah, movingforwardleadership.com is the website. Uh, all my socials are there at the bottom. Uh, you can subscribe easy by going to movingforwardleadership.com forward slash subscribe. And uh, there isn't a platform I'm not on that I'm aware of exists. So you can easily you can easily sign up right there. Uh, there's a button right there on that page. It makes it super simple. slick for you to sign up and listen to the show where you can just go to your podcast app and punch in peak performance leadership or moving forward leadership, either way, And uh, my show will pop up. So be great to, to hear from you. It'd be great for you to listen. And uh, yeah, let me know if you got any questions or if you need help with anything, I'm here.
0: Perfect. And again, thank you very much for coming on the show, Scott. I truly appreciate it. And uh, for my listeners, thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Habs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event SeatGiant sells. Use the code unfiltered20. Save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code unfiltered20 on your purchases online go to east coast lifestyle and use the code unfiltered20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at east coast lifestyle also lift life go to liftlife.ca and use the code habs10 to save 10% and for a special promo until christmas habs unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts if you purchase one of our shirts the entire profit for the sale goes to vets canada vets canada does work to end veterans homelessness across canada so let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt